So welcome to It's Not All About The Numbers podcast, the leadership podcast that is not all about the numbers. Hi, I'm Chris, and that is Mike. Hi, everyone. And that is Dominique Highfield, the CFO of Purple Bricks. Hello. Hello, everybody. And if you're enjoying what you're listening to, then please hit subscribe um, or click the five stars if you love us that much. Um, because it, it all helps. It gives us, a, gives us a bit of encouragement and also other people can find uh, the content. So um, make sure you do that. So how's everybody's week's been? Uh, well, I, I think I said on Tuesday to somebody that it already felt like Friday. So it's been quite a busy week. Um, I, I started it with um, dogs trust training. So my my dog, which is the one, because you can see me on a video game, you can see the dog in the background. He's in the final week of his uh, dog's trust training where we're learning to leave things alone. Um, so giving him instructions and trying to get him to understand it. Um, I, I realized that it's very much like transformation in organizations, actually trying to get people to understand the instructions you give them and then follow them. Um, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Did linking you like it, that? linking oh, it, you know, I actually I thought about that quite seamless, hard. Mike. Seamless. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 almost embarrassing. Um, and, the, and on the work side, I was I went up to London this week and had some t- uh, conversations with the Department for Science, Innovation, and Technology. So one of the new breakout departments, um, all around data sharing. Um, and what was really interesting in that is that it felt like everything was being driven forward. So we want to do more data sharing. Let's think about data sharing. And I was urging them to just stop and look at, look back a bit at where people had tried to do this kind of stuff in the past and failed rather than thinking that it was always a blank sheet of paper and they could start from uh, start fresh, which I think holds true again, holds true for digital and data transformations is where have we tried to change things before and what have we learned? Wow, it's it's almost like you prepped for this. <laughs> unusual, <laughs> unusual, right? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, you're gonna show me so, up, Mike. You're gonna show me up. <laughs> so, Dominique, how's your your week been? Um, well, do you know what? This might be a very short podcast for me. I might not be allowed on this anymore. So, it was announced this week that I am no longer the CFO of Purple Bricks. I'm now the COO of Purple Brick. So uh, big week for me personally and professionally. If, do you want me to leave the podcast? Can I stay? Am I allowed? Well, I don't know. Look, no. it's not all about you, you the numbers. You don't have to be an accountant. It's okay, not all good, about the numbers. Good, good. Yeah, exactly. In no, fact, so you're I, even, yeah, you're even really more excited. qualified to be here now, moving to uh, an operational role. So well done. Now, that sounds major. Yeah. We're going to have to come back to that one. Um, definitely. But congratulations. Is Thank that a scoop? Pardon? It is. is it was on LinkedIn yesterday. So it's kind of a scoop, kind of. But no, it's. I've been obviously Purple Bricks was bought by Strike uh, back in June, and I've been leading the integration. Really enjoyed it, and think I've done an all right job. And yeah, no, really excited. From going from managing those P and Ls and business partnering the P and Ls and owning them um, is a different t- different take. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Excited. Has your first week or has the, has the change? Have you noticed the change already? Uh, to be honest, because I was leading the integration, it's kind of really naturally. It's like when integration bleeds into BAU is kind of where we're at. So, no, at, at the moment, not yet. Although my suppliers are being a bit nicer to me, but uh, no, not yet. <laughs> Love it. I, I actually interviewed um, uh, Berenger Michelle from uh, John Lewis, and she was the FD there and then moved into the operations side of things. And I think it's a really brave move for her and her boss, actually, um, but it worked out really well, and now she's come full circle back into finance. Mm-hmm. But it's quite a rare move um, that. But we'll 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 dig into that 
um, in a bit. Um, so nobody really wants to know what I've been doing because I've been... No, to... go on, Chris. Let's, Chris, what have you been up to last week? <laughs> oh, thanks Please for asking. Um, so I I, ha- I actually had a, had a very sociable week this week. I went to the Accounting Excellence Awards, um, which was at the Roundhouse. Then they did uh, a really good job there. We were supporting them with the FD of the Year Award, um putting some people forward for that we were also i also presented the sort of transformation of all there as well which was cool um and also we went to, i went to sifted which is like a sort of growth um conference which is backed by the financial times and uh, loads of really kind of innovative people there loads of people that you want to mix with dominique you know just all looking for growth you know, part CFO, part COO, part CEO. Yeah. They, they, in fact, they don't really have the, those job titles. They're just sort of innovators. So, um, a very, a very interesting week. So, moving, moving on. So, there are there are lots of things that have happened this week, and I, and I'd love to come back to what happened with you, Dominique. But I think, you know, Mike, we we were talking before this about how important it is for CFOs to kind of talk tech for CFO, COOs even to talk tech as well. And you'd stumbled across a, a, a great article around this. Yeah, so looking at an article on the, the CFO Dive website, which we'll share alongside the, the podcast, um, which was talking about, exactly about that, about um, a, C, a CEO advising CFOs to learn to talk tech. Before we, before we d- dig into that, though, I wanted to ask you both a question, which is, do do we agree with the premise of this article that digital transformation is a priority at this at this point in time? So, I'm asking you. I, I mean, I'll jump in. I, I think it depends on the business, um, but where I am at, absolutely yes. Um, I, I love the article just for what it's worth. But Chris, what are, what's your thoughts? I, yeah, again, it depends, doesn't it? You know, I think it's. I would love to believe that this is being recognized as central to all businesses you know whether it's the data economy or whether it's the sort of digital opportunity on efficiency or whatever it is I, I would love to believe it but I do, do still think that there's there is still a gap in terms of leadership support um, I see that through the community all the time and as much as we would love to lead on this you know budgets you know need to be available as well so there's a bit of a reality check around it but I, I I want it to be because of the opportunity, yeah. No, and 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 that's the premise of this article, right? Which is that, that digital transformation is happening. It's the foundation of quite a lot of lot of businesses and what's happening at the moment. Um, the the kind of implication within the article is that because technology is now becoming embedded and it's part of the business, that actually the the role of a CTO and a chief information officer on the C-suite is, is far more important than it has been in the past. Yeah, yeah. So actually that that kind of, uh, that that 21st century look of a business is different to it has been in the past. Um, I, I saw the bit in there, I don't know if you read it when you read the article, the bit about uh, a CFO sitting around the table in the future will just see spender, spender, spender for the other members of the, the, the C-suite. Uh, that, that, does that resonate with you at all? Yeah. I don't know. It's not all about the numbers, right? You know? <laughs> Yes, uh, you know, the premise was, you know, the CEO was from a recruitment company and I think they, you know, they meet a lot of traditional CFOs by the sounds of it. They're in the US as well, which has a slightly different landscape to the UK. But I, I think, um, 
Yeah, and actually, Dominic, we've talked about this. You know, this traditional CFO. That's you know, what is, I was going to say. Yeah. Is it is it is it a bit of a myth now? You know, are people holding yeah. on to that a bit too much? Yeah, and that's why I think if a CFO is sat around the table looking at their peers and thinking they're spenders, and I don't know if that's the right CFO you want around your table because really they should be looking at allies and strategic partners and efficiency enablers and 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 consumer delighters. Uh, and if you are sat around the table just seeing cost lines, uh, that I that I do, uh, you know, I, I think we probably they're, they're not the kind of CFO I'd like to be working alongside. <laughs> put it that way. Do you think they still exist though? Like, is it is it just sort of hype, you know, that they still exist because it's a nice argument, or is it that you know they do still exist? They are sort of blocking that business. I think some people still want that CFO, but. Maybe they, that's because they like to play in the part of strategy and people and things. And so I, I think, I think maybe the CFO needs to complement the CEO and, and bring in what they don't have. And, and it, you know, it, there, there could be a very strong controller in the business. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And, then, and then it allows the CFO that sort of yeah. flexibility. There was, there was one interesting line in that article, um, which sort of was around, you know, CFOs tend to own IT budget to a large extent in certain size companies. And, but they were sort of saying, oh, but maybe we should make room for a digital officer or a chief data officer mm-hmm. on, in that space. But actually, I've been hearing a lot about the CFO still owning that space and kind of bringing in a non-financial controller, almost like a sort of data analytics sort of controller, yeah. especially with ESG coming through as well. So uh, BI in our in our businesses and, and and in my previous business has switched from finance to to the CTO <laughs> off like back and forth if it's been in that finance. So I think it can sit in either place. And the importance that it gets the focus that it needs. Um, I think that's the important piece for me. But there was there was something that came up for me which was around communication and it, this the best CTOs I work with, same as the best CFOs, they're not the strongest technical expert in the room but they're the ones that can communicate and uh, flex their style and engage uh, people on the, the important issues. Uh, and that was I, that's what I really liked about your article. It shows that the importance of communication and, you know, prioritization and, uh, and things and not necessarily being the, the biggest tech geek uh, or the biggest accounting geek in the room. I, I, absolutely. And I think that for me, the, the thing that resonated was, was, was that piece. And obviously the premise of this is that should, should CFOs learn more technical language? And actually my, my, my take on that is it, it's dependent on the experts, be they finance experts, data experts, IT experts, to be able to communicate exactly about right. their thing in a way that anybody can understand. And quite often the barrier is when they can't. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the situation you just described, Chris, around um, you bring in a, a CTO or you bring in a, like a, a siloed team that looks after digital, you end up then creating that barrier where you don't get great communication around around what is going on between the two the two parties potentially. It all of that linked back to me to I think something you mentioned a moment ago, Dominique. Where you, you said it slightly differently, but for me, it's the the business partnering role of not just finance, but the business partnering role of any expert team in an organization exactly right. yeah. should be about working to get, not just being a point of contact in a team, which I think is where it's been historically, certainly in my experience, but much more about proper partnership. We mm-hmm. are working together, bringing our expertise to deliver that outcome. And I think that for me, that was the underlying message in here is that if you can communicate better across these expert groups, it doesn't really matter necessarily where you sit as long as you're focused on that common goal. 
Well, you said that much more eloquently than I said it, but I completely agree. <laughs> Perfect. So that was a, a brilliant article that came out this week. Um, and, you know, there's lots of other stuff happening, which is a little bit more evergreen, but still quite topical. And one thing that seems to keep on coming up for all the right reasons is ESG and you know environmental social government governance if you're not aware of it I'm sure you are if you're not aware <laughs> uh, of being you've been under a rock <laughs> well I'm, I'm speaking to the millions at this moment <laughs> obviously but um but again there was a really you know interesting um McKinsey report uh, that you shared uh, Dominique and it was you know it's basically sort of arguing in a way, I say it again, it's not all about the numbers. It was sort of saying that if you can achieve like the, the these sort of three areas of ESG growth and profitability, there's a synergy there. And it's actually allowing businesses to bring sort of total shareholder returns back that are much higher than maybe just hitting the profitability matrix or the, or the, or the growth matrix. So do, do you think that ESG really can add value in that way. It's the sort of special source that can add a few percentage points on. And Dominic, I'll come to you first because as COO now, you know, this is probably top of your list. Yeah, and I, I've been fighting for purple bricks to be green bricks. You know, this is my next, that's my next one to be very green. <laughs> um, I I think that there is a reason why the company, the McKinsey, and by the way, McKinsey, I love those McKinsey articles. I think they're fab. There's so much data on there. Really tech focused up as well. I'm sure that you love Chris. Um, But for me, there's no, there's no coincidence that the companies with the ESG agendas are doing the best. And for me, it's because they, they've tapped into what the consumer wants and what the consumer needs um, and they're forward thinking and they're strategic and they're longer term thinking. They're thinking about, you know, um, the, the, the wider impact they're having and the longer term impact. So I don't think there's any coincidence. Um, and the reason I shared it as well is it kind of talks to that. We talked about the traditional role of the CFO. Um, often ESG can be uh, under the wings of the, the modern CFO. Um, and so I thought it was an important thing for us all to, to have a have a think about. And if you're not keen on doing ESG because it's going to save the world, do it because it's going to grow your bottom line. Uh, and that's what the McKinsey article is saying. I was going to say, so I'm, I'm going to ask a question because so I read it and that's what I read and that's what I I saw in that article as well. But being somebody that's not experienced in ESG and implementing ESG, the question that was going off in my head all the way through that article is why? There's no explanation in that article why if you go down this path, you get to that outcome. It's just almost like an assumed, do this thing and you'll get there. And and, and I just wondered if there was, you had any thoughts on why that might be. I mean, you, you mentioned a bit about tapping into the, what the consumer wants and needs. But is there, is there any is there any more magic? Well, no, I, th- I think it's I think it's that, and it's being longer term, future focused. And I think it's and I think it's it, it's that it's the mindset that a, an organisation will have thinking for the longer term, not just short term shareholder results or the next interim announcement, but thinking longer term, which incorporates ESG. I think if you're in that mindset and you're in that innovation, customer centric, future future back thinking, I think that's why these companies are doing well but you're right Mike it was a real draw, draw your own dots of the article yeah. uh, so those are the dots that I drew might be completely misled no no that's great I, I think that you know there's a lot to it right and I, I think it's as well as delivering on like the hard ESG side of things you there are lots of marginal gains I think to be had on that hard um, ESG delivery but I also think that in nature right surely this is a purpose-led organization if you have ESG on your agenda and there's been loads of 
you know, research on purpose-led um, companies sort of, you know, having more better retention, you know, stronger leadership. So I think there are there are soft, the softer side to this as well. What what went off in my head as you were talking there, Chrissy? So so I agree. So a certain organisation would see it in that way, right? So they would be thinking that if we show our environmental credit credibility, we will get benefits because our consumers will think we're amazing. But then what went off in my head is the, the whole kind of greenwashing approach. And I was thinking more about like the petrochemical industry and like ESSO and some of the adverts that you hear on the radio at the moment for an organisation like ESSO. You know, we're not all about the fuel, by the way. We just made however many billion pounds worth of profit out of oil. I just want. I just wondered if there is a danger that actually it could be a tick a tick box exercise or an activity that leads to some kind of greenwash greenwashing type approach. I, I don't. There's a risk of that. There is. Well, there is, and there's been many books. I actually read a book called The Woke Economy, and it sort of calls out ESG as a movement off the back of CSR as a movement, and they, you know, they have some sort of compelling arguments, but I. I don't, you know, I, I don't think that's what we're talking about here. You know, we are, we're talking about, you know, progressive leadership and and there are hard sort of lessons to learn. It, it's, I relate this a little bit to when people talk about efficiency in process automation, which is a bit niche, <laughs> but it's, it's not actually about the, the tools that you bring in that, you know, create the gains it's the um it's the fixing of the process end to end and then spinning the wheel a bit faster so it's I, so it's hard to you know even though esg we're talking about esg it's actually probably all these little things that all add up to that you know additional yeah. 2% which mckinsey brought out um that that are kind of driven by an esg agenda but but very difficult to pin to esg specifically yeah we, we don't, won't don't, don't don't get me wrong the, the, my background the environment bit is really important to me so I wasn't advocating greenwashing I was just <laughs> curious it is a danger we do have to watch yeah. out that is for sure love it we're, we're actually doing um I think in the summit next year we'll be doing quite a lot on ESG because it's going to you know come back I think with a vengeance because of the legislation that's coming through mm-hmm. um and it's also starting to hit funding from what I can imagine there, there are funds that, spend, that they, you know, there are funds that that's that's part of their sort of USP, isn't it? It's, it it, re- it really is, and I think you know we had started this conversation a couple of years ago with a great speaker um, called Martina McPherson, who was from I think Henley Business School at the time. She's now working in the markets, and she was saying at the time, and it was quite hard to believe, you know, that if we don't get our ESG agenda in place, you might actually miss out on certain funding or your rates are going to go up. You know, they'll see it as a risk, you know, credit risk. So, but it's real now. Is That's actually happening in the market. That was only two years ago. So, yes. so yes. anyway, that sounds like the numbers and this is not all about numbers. So let's move on. So um, questions, questions in. So I would love, Mike would love to have your questions on our relevant subjects um if you do want to ask us a question then just reach out to us on linkedin as uh, mike rose and uh, chris argent and if you put podcast in the title we'll we'll find those or you can send questions into podcast at generation cfo who are producing this and we'll pick those up here and we've got a question in from um a fairly disgruntled community member actually i'd say and i'm just going to quickly read this out there's an increasing level of frustration being expressed by digital finance talent. 
They feel a lack of support from stakeholders. They're overwhelmed by the volume of low-value work that they're asked to perform, and they're limited by existing technologies available to them. How do I gain stakeholder support? So this is someone rather frustrated looking up to the new COO who used to work in finance saying, give me some technology. How how do we do? How do we support them? So I think for me, I've got two answers. I'm going to do the the, the least gung ho one first, which is I would always encourage people um, to get allies. Um, I think the pincer movement works quite nicely. So find yourself some allies, find some people with some, some, you know, um, maybe a different style to you, a different uh, department to you, but that want a similar outcome. And, uh, and I think that 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 is always helpful. And I think it's how I operate in the boardroom and, and the exec as well. I think it's how you can get stuff done and pressure test your thinking. I would also try and understand when you're when you're reaching these frustrations, and you're not getting what you want or what you need. What is the reason? Let's understand that they're the their desires, their outcomes and, and, and their agenda and, and how you can sort of flex your style or flex your argument to, to, to fit in that into that. But I think for me, if you're really getting a brick walls, I would do business cases and art of the possible and I would draw I would draw it out uh in, in black and white if, if you really think there's some 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 things that are going to unlock and drive efficiencies or drive greater better decision making, I would put it in black and white. Um, so is that it's our allies, it's flexing your style, it's business cases, great business cases. But I'll be I'm gonna this is probably the answer you don't want to hear. You have only this is not a dress rehearsal. We're only here once on this planet once. If you are not happy where you are and you're you are, you've got a huge value and you're very talented, go somewhere else because um you cannot you can't change the culture. You're only one person. And no matter even if you're the CEO, if you're only one person, you cannot change the culture. It takes a desire across many. Um and I've been stuck in places or spent too long in places where I wasn't enormously valued. Um not everywhere, but a couple of places in, you know, whether it's in a relationship or it's in a um, in a career. And I would desperately encourage you to go and find where you can go and do the best work of your life because you were only here once. And this is your career and you drive it forward. So that was, you know, if uh, probably not the answer you wanted. <laughs> I'll get off my soapbox. This is not a dress rehearsal. Thoughts? Have I given the wrong answer? What do you reckon? Well, uh- I, I think I wish I'd taken you up on the opportunity to go before you now, because it's like, that's, almost like, that's almost like the perfect answer, right? It's like, no, I, so, I, I mean, I, I agree with all of that. The, the, the only bit that I would add to it is uh, it's building on what you said, which is when you're when you're getting allies or when you're coming up against a, a particular problem, it's think about things from their perspective. What's yeah, in it for yeah. them? Humans, humans always have an interest in something and, and your interest might not be there. So just take a bit of time to work out what's going to press their buttons and then pitch your requirements in those terms and show how it will benefit them. But I mean, what I've just said there is a tiny kind of fraction of the genius of your answer, Dominique. So. <laughs> Chris, uh, I mean, that. Chris, Chris has seen me on my soapbox before it was my opening question where you were there as well Mike he's probably thinking oh will we just can we, can we shut her up can we put her on mute <laughs> that's great I, I think it's great advice uh, I, you know especially the, the the move on if you're unhappy you know your, your life's too short your career is you know important so uh, build it on your terms definitely yeah. uh, and it's hard right some you know people don't, don't probably like looking for a job and moving jobs and it's you know dif- difficult risky time but um I would say yeah you, you know you'll you'll always benefit from from a positive move rather than sitting there too long and then yeah. jacking it in because you've had enough 
Um, can I just add, can I add one final thought, actually? Um, because the fact that this question was asked in this way and we've been able to answer in this way shows the, the benefit of actually just talking to the, your community as well. Actually talking to the people that are around you will will, will help you sort of navigate the problem. It's, it, a, work, a work problem is not always a work problem. It's mm. Sometimes it's a people problem and actually your community can help you. Yeah, I think that's and, and, and just to, to build on that, you know, I think everybody has a unique skill set, a unique thing that they bring to a team, a unique area of expertise. And, and 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 there is a place for that everywhere. And you might not be you might be sat there feeling relatively disgruntled or if there is a place for everybody and everyone, everyone should have that unique attribute celebrated um every single week where and they should leave for the weekend feeling great about themselves and if and it really just really upsets me when when people are in that position and, and they're not feeling like that so uh whoever you are you have huge talent huge opportunity uh and we back you so yeah it's good luck i five i'm feeling good i'm feeling all pumped <laughs> Chris, you're valued. You have big talent, and we back you. Excellent, thank you. I'm going to record that and put it on my uh, phone. You're really Um, (laughs) talented. So, just you know, wrapping things up, we we want to call out sort of good data and bad data. We're calling this section, and it's you know, again, just a way of uh, highlighting a few things that are out there. There there is good good data from my side at the moment. um, In that, you know, might you just spoke about our community and you know we've grown 20 percent and our engagement's up like 150 percent or something over the last couple of uh couple of months it's been fantastic to see that that's very personal to me i know um and i only say that because i couldn't find loads of good data because it seems to have been a bit of a bad news week um we had the hs2 decision come through um, which is a bit risky for Rishi. See what I did there. Um, there was the, the the John Lewis news about you know the loss making position, and obviously their chairman's uh, fallen foul of that. I'm not even sure quite what to say about HS2. I think it 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 if I find it incredibly frustrating that 13 odd years of planning has been thrown away in a, in a moment. Um, the thing that struck me just just sort of like looking at headlines around the HS2 thing is literally the day before the announcement was made, the government bought a £1.5 million house on the line between Birmingham and Manchester as a compulsory purchase. Um, and um, it, 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 it just strikes me that the, the whole thing isn't actually planned, planned through and thought through in terms of value. It's a financial value is it, it's all about it is all about the numbers right so the whole reason it was done was to say we've got 35 billion quid that we can now spend on that or that or that or that rather than actually this is part of a holistic plan for the for the country so yeah my take on the hs2 thing is very much uh a, a dis- disappointment that the country doesn't appear to be able to even build a railway anymore but, but you're still okay right because you're 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 a brummy so you know. oh, well, well, I live in Dorset, so all right. It was it was it was never coming here anyway, but okay. it, it's still frustrating. <laughs> I, I I'm lost for words, which is you're probably that's a surprise. No, I, I'm with you. I'm, where was the financial planning? Where was the escalation process and the bravery to call this money out before it was wasted? Um, but for me, it also shows there's two things here. Like for me, it shows uh, the unconscious bias that leaders have. 
you know, I've moved out of London to, to the Midlands in December, and I, I don't know who needs to hear this, but London is not the centre of the country, not the centre of the world. Whoa, steady, and, and I know, steady. sorry, Chris, sorry. <laughs> and, and, and for me, you know, those decisions were really London-centric. You know, everyone yeah. coming in and out of London, actually getting east to west is, is you know, is vitally important. And, and people do want to go other places other than London uh, in England. And so um, it's that proximity bias, the unconscious bias that leaders have when they make decisions and not not listening. Um, so that that was one of the things I think, you know, one of the failings there. And, and the other one for me is, um, is, we talked about it before, around, you know, making short term decisions for short shareholder returns and interim reporting. And it's the same. Our government has made decisions based on the next general election um, and doesn't, you know, and doesn't have the, you know, the the encouragement to think more longer term. So that two things that we can take, you know, well, three things, one bravery in the financials and calling things out and escalating Two, that unconscious bias when you're making big strategic decisions. Um, and three, that sort of longer term decisions and not doing things for short term gain and short term popularity. And, you know, as a Londoner, you know, I, I do understand that. I I actually it was funny when we first did an event in um, Leeds, which was our first event outside of London the the community there were kind of a bit shocked and baffled as to why we moved to Leeds it was like why Leeds why would you come here you know why not Manchester why not somewhere else you know why not a capital um and it was actually it was because because of our kind of you know progressive tech focus we um we chose it because it's got a thriving mm-hmm. growth startup scene it's got a fr- thriving digital scene mm-hmm. And it's just it's lacks in PR and investment. Yeah. And there's they're doing a great job actually with the Leeds Digital Festival. But um but yeah, I I you know, I, I agree with you. I think uh I think there is a leveling up is is on the agenda, but it, it sounds like it's just uh there in name at the moment. Look looking at the John Lewis side of things as well, you know, the, the, we've had the chairman um step down after Charlie Mayfield uh stepped down in twenty twenty. And you know, all retail suffering at the moment. It seems, you know, like the chairman's fallen on their sword. Um, you know, is do you think that's the right sort of thing to be doing? I think for me, um, it's that it. She doesn't have the the retail experience. She that's why I think she's getting a lot of criticism, and I think that's unfair because you know retail is so much more than just bricks and mortar. You know, old school market traders now it is digital and um, and and consumer and brand. So I think I think that's unfair and. Um, it's unfortunate if she feels that she's had to take that decision, but um, you know, support any decision that she's she's made, she can't do it with her own fruition. Um, but I think for me, John Lewis um and the retailers, the ones that are investing in tech and digital enhancements, the ones that are winning at the moment, and Next is a great example of that, the next um and the next supply chain and, and the app and and the sort of thing there. So I think it comes back down to your tech leadership and your tech transformation in terms of who's winning at the moment. Um, but no, I think, you know, we've got to do what we've got, what's right for us. And um, and there's more to life than work as well as the numbers, Chris. So uh, support her right. in her decision. Um, but uh, yeah, I, it goes back to that. You don't need industry experience to be, you know, to be a great leader. You, it's, it's those kind of combination of all the skills that many leaders will share. Um, so I think it's unfortunate, you know, some of the the, the, yeah. the comments there uh, around her. her. But I, yeah, support her in her next steps. And I love John Lewis. I hope it does brilliantly. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, there's also a, a, a structure thing here where you know there there are MDs of John Lewis and Waitrose that make up the group, which is mm-hmm. where Dame Sharon sits. And 
it does seem that you know this responsibility seems to have been a bit shifted up uh, mm. as a result. So um, I'm sure there's a lot of politics involved, even in uh, an institution as great as John Lewis Partnership. Yeah. Um, but uh, Mike, any closing thoughts on uh, good good data, bad data? We need to find more good data next week. That's for sure. So, so yeah, I, I think that um, I suppose that the, the reflection is it's very hard. People don't report good news; they only report bad news. I think that that that's probably a reflection, and I think that just the the reflection on the the John the John Lewis conversation is it kind of links back to the previous conversation that we were having. Um, maybe uh, she was the disgruntled community member because actually if the stakeholders aren't with her look to move on well there you go there you go wise words so right let's wrap this up thank you for being part of today dominique we got a scoop cfo to coo (laughs) of purple bricks um really best of luck with that i think that is a fantastic move um and you know connect with with bay uh Berenger Michelle from John Lewis because she's been through a very similar move and I'm sure and she loved it um so I'm sure she'd be able to help you out there um normally we would do shout outs at this stage um so if you do want to um highlight anything that you're doing highlight an event or maybe some charity work that you're doing then do let us know at um, podcast at generationcfo.com um my only thank you really this week is um going out to Mike Uh, another Mike, Mike Goldsmith, who's head of events at uh, SIFT Media, who put on the fabulous Accounting uh, Excellence Awards. We had Tom Allen, the comedian, ripping the sponsors apart. It was fantastic to see everyone from Zero to QuickBooks to Sage, um, you know, battling for his attention. And we worked, I said earlier, on um, the FD of the Year Award and congratulations to Becky Glover who uh, of U-Tree Insurance, who won that category. Um, she actually won our Digital Finance Function Award at in the US. Now she's the two-time award-winning wow, FD. Trophy cabinet's going to be looking pretty good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, her website looks looks amazing. It's, but uh, yeah, anything um, from yourselves before I go? No, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, just wish me luck tomorrow for the dog graduation at dog training. <laughs> good luck mike i can't wait it sounds perfect excellent well thank you guys and remember it's not all about the numbers